Kindred Church is a Christian community gathering in Reno, Nevada. We employ a dialogical teaching style, but for the sake of privacy, we remove the participants' responses from the recording. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we'd love to have you join us in person or online. For more information about the church and for our service time, location, and virtual gathering options, visit kindredchurchreno.com. This is pretty weird for me to be up here. Um, I told myself a long time ago that I wasn't a public speaker. And then um, there's the obvious uh, church history stuff for me coming from a pretty traditional um, conservative setting where this would not be allowed um, as a woman. And I've been given that feedback a lot of times where, um, you know, you're a great leader, but here's your, here's your stop. Um, so this is, I think it's, you know, it brings up a lot of different emotions for me to be even up here too. So also bear with me on that. Um, but I'm excited for it because I think I'm really excited to, uh, have a new skill. And I do think that there are so many, um, women around me that have things to say that I think can inspire all of us. Um, and so I'm excited to be a part of that. Uh, today we're going to talk about music and how that is incorporated in church gathering setting. I am not a biblical scholar. I am um, definitely more on the music nerd side. So we're gonna, um, we're definitely gonna talk about Jesus today. But I'm also gonna give you guys a little bit of some Western uh, history lesson stuff. Um, let's see. All right. First, a little bit more about me. This is what Mike wrote in the newsletter this week. Um, I'm just going to read it because it's like a little mini bio that I'm <laughs> not feeling at all intimidated by. But um, Liz Mumford, one of Kindred Church pastors, has more than 20 years of experience in the Christian worship music culture and industry. With multiple albums recorded, a slew of songs written, and a BA in music from the University of Nevada with an emphasis on musicology. Kind of not actually. It's an emphasis on piano, but I did nerd out in musicology. Um, Liz is the perfect person to lead some thought-provoking discussion around history of music in the church and its effect on the church today. No pressure. Um, written, yeah, I was going to say written by someone who thinks I'm great. Thank you. Um, but that is a little bit, I'll, I'll skip all the, you know, the nitty gritty details of that, but that is some history. I started like teaching piano when I was 14. Um, I think, uh, we, we, our house is full of music all the time. Um, we have lots of conversations about art and music constantly. Our kids, um, I'll tell this one quick little story. Our kids are so used to music that they like don't care, obviously, when they run up on stage. We had, uh, Leon had a friend over last week and we were just like practicing for something and that kid comes around the corner real slow. Yeah, you're really good at that, he said. <laughs> He's so cute. All right. Um, okay. So, my point of saying that is that music is not just like a hobby. It's a way of life. And I want to incorporate that or show you guys how that's actually true of you guys as well. Um, so that's kind of where we'll, we'll end this today. Um, uh, let's start here. So with, with music, um, I have learned a lot about, you know, in the, in the more of the, the college side of things, music as a science. So here's just a couple things. So for example, um, the note A, which there's no piano up here today, I just realized, um, it has a wavelength and a wave shape that you can follow. Um, and it hits, you know, let's say it hits this point in the line at a certain um, rate. And then the next A that's an octave higher hits that same point and, you know, but twice as much. And the next A is going to hit it with, you know, different frequencies and all those things together create harmonious sounds that we think feel good. We take a lot of that stuff for granted. We're not seeing that stuff, but there is a literal science, um, behind music. There's also, um, the 
what we have learned in Western music as um, the concept around tension and release. So when you hear like at the end of a long, you know, classical song and you hear that final amen, are you going to play it? Wonderful. Yes. There we go. Did you guys hear that? That's a familiar... That is, there is a science behind that. That is not a just like random art, you know, emotional haphazard thing. There is actual science of, and theory, I should say, really, um, behind what you can, you can, you want to play a five one too? Yeah, five one. Doesn't that feel good? Can you play a scale and end on the seven? Yeah. How does that make you feel? Unfulfilled. Do you hear? While you're holding it. Do you feel the tension right there? Now you can play it. Okay. Um, so these are. This is like a theory. There's that you can craft emotion, and now you can be done. Okay. okay. Um, you can craft feelings in people with these notes. Um, so um, I think that that's an important. I'm just going to lay that groundwork so you guys understand that. You know, take a little bit of the the magic away maybe from it. Um, that like these are you can you can really it's like a cooking recipe there's a recipe that makes certain flavors that's like music um okay so there's that science part but there's also the experience part you guys just we we did the science we showed you the scale you felt the tension and you felt the experience of the tension so there's the music as science music as experience um in our culture we often where we're at uh intellectually we often separate those things um, I'll talk about that a little bit more here in the future of this, but um just want you to kind of start to think about that. So here's my first question. Um, at Kindred, we do a little bit of a dialogical teaching, um, which means that we also want to hear from you guys um, and we want to hear your thoughts. So I have like three different questions um, uh, throughout this discussion. My first one, though, is a little bit more contemplative. So I want you to imagine a time where you were moved by music. For me, the first thing I thought of was like high school music, but it could be this morning on the way, um, you know, on the drive here. It could be your a wedding song. It could be um, something that your mom sang to you as a kid. Just put, I want you guys to pick a memory right now. I'm going to be quiet for a minute so you can think about a time that you were moved. Um, so get that in your head for a second. Great. Give me like a thumbs up. I'm going to ask you about it in a second too. Give me a thumbs up if you've got yours. Got yours. Okay. Oh, I will. Yeah, that's a good point. Thanks. Okay, great. I think everyone has their, 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 most of you guys have your thumbs up, so it's perfect. So now think about what's different about it. Why did that one stick out to you? Just say it in your head for a second. Don't say it out loud yet. What was different? Why is that the one that came to mind? How old were you? Do you remember what you were wearing? Do you remember who else was there? Was there no one there? Do you remember the history of what was happening around that time? And then what emotion do you feel like it helped you feel? Can you name the emotion? Not Again, not quite out loud yet. Give me a thumbs up when you feel like you have that emotion too. Okay, great. Um, and then if the musical piece has lyrics, just show of hands, how many of you guys had um, the song or the music that you're thinking of um, has lyrics to it? Does everyone have lyrics or does 
Anyone not have lyrics? Okay. So um, imagine that song without the lyrics. Is there a difference that happens? Okay. All right. So now, now let's discuss that as a group. So what are some of the things you noticed? You guys can try to stay kind of quick on this because, you know, I'm sure there's probably like five minute stories that would tell us all, you know, more about you, but just a couple things that you noticed about that um, uh, whole thing. What are some of the things that came to mind? All right. I'm going to give you a little bit of the Western um, music perspective, slight nerd out moment. The reason why um, we're even doing this series right now is there are things that um, we're trying to figure out as we've kind of deconstructed what church is, um, and now we're reconstructing what church is. What, why do we want? Are we, what are we going to incorporate from history into this gathering? What's important? What do we need to leave behind? What do we need to look at? Turn it around, flop it around differently, and or get rid of completely. What do we need to breathe new life into? I think that's a big one for me. I think there's probably a lot of things that we're doing um, as the church in general that are probably good, but they're kind of dead and they need new life and new inspiration. And so the series, why we do what we do, but I like the weird one. What's the weird one? Well, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> the tagline is, well, that was weird. Um, because there's, there's weird stuff. There's a lot of weird stuff, but um, we're kind of getting back to like, why are we doing those things and are they helpful and how do we need to change them? So music is the thing for today, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Hildegard. Has anyone ever heard of Hildegard? Yes. If you're married to me, you've definitely heard of Hildegard. Um, <laughs> so um, this is wild to me. Um, she, um, and it's wild to a lot of people. Um, uh, she was the first identifiable composer in the history of Western music. Um, most other medieval composers, so we're talking about the medieval time period right now, were anonymous and they weren't necessarily creating a language. So you guys know um, Klingon? Um, that's called a constructed language. So it's not like a, it's not like a, it's a, it's a language people made up with like a form. Music is kind of like that. Like people made, um, she's, she's writing out notes for the first time that mean something that mean a certain pitch or that mean a certain word. So, um, and a little bit about her, she, uh, I think she lived to be 80 years old. She was the 10th child in her family. And it was customary at that time to give the 10th child to the Catholic church as like a tithe. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so she, um, I, being in the church, her, her, she was, went to a monastery. Um, she was in a room that only had, I think maybe they each window, each room had one window. They were by themselves. They only, each woman, each girl, um, only got one meal a day during winter and two meals a day during the summer. Um, and they were confined to their rooms for, um, uh, prayer and, uh, meditation and, spiritual practices. So, um, that is prison basically. Um, but I'm sure that God used that in miraculous ways and he did through Hildegard. But, um, if you can imagine the loneliness and the pain and the confinement, I mean, she literally was, I mean, she lost her family. Um, there's, there's so many things there that I could unpack. Um, but what she did from that though, um, she, as this, as from what we can see, she was incredibly inspired. Um, she was an artist. She was a poet. She started writing music that um, will completely change the trajectory of the rest of musical history slash history, which I'll get to. Um, so you can actually listen to her work. Um, there are people, because we she's one of the first people to ever write it down, we can actually 
recreate it. Um, so you can actually like go to Spotify and find breath on the, or feather on the breath of God or something on Spotify right now. Highly recommend that actually. And also highly recommend looking up her artwork. Um, she didn't even, as a side note for the ladies, um, in history, she wasn't even, um, referenced in any book before 1979. And in 1990, she got like a little tiny thing in the New Grove um, Dictionary of Music. So it really isn't like until now that people are hearing about this woman. Side note, not my point of the sermon. Um, my What I want to get though to is with her is that she um, was so different than any of her contemporaries. She wasn't bound to the form that was happening at the time. So a lot of her stuff is way more poetic way more expressive than what was happening. Um, her drawings, same way. Um, in fact, they're kind of graphic. Um, it's, it's, you can tell that she broke free. The nun, she became the mother superior of a couple different ones. Her music was probably never played outside those, um, monasteries, you know, at the time either, which is crazy. Um, and her nuns, uh, were allowed to, um, wear flowers in their hair. They were allowed to have long hair. They were allowed to dance. They were allowed to, um, paint and draw. They were allowed to do things. They were so free for the time. Um, and a lot of that was through this musical expression. So this is the beginning of what I want to show for you is that music, I, I really do not think music can be disconnected from change. If a culture is going to change, there is going to be music that's part of it. Um, that is basically my, the point I want to get across today. Um, and I think that God has given that to us as a gift. God gave that gift to Hildegard, who was in her prison room. Um, and she, he blessed her with that. And she was able to completely change the trajectory of Western history, um, with her music. Um, I could talk on and on about that, but I'll move on. Um, okay. Then just to show a couple other things, then you have like the classical period. Um, and that's when people are, um, let's see. It's, it's the age of enlightenment. So that's when we're really getting into, um, knowledge and reason and the pursuit of those things. And then you have, um, the reaction to that is the romantic period, which they're like, no, we need emotion and we need to break beyond this, um, uh, you know, just rigidity of, of knowledge. We need to add, um, feeling and add, um, love and we need to expand. So like if you, if you kind of see what I'm saying, there's kind of like always an action and a reaction that's happening. Um, and again, music is always music and art are always part of those things that happen in culture. The, the, the switch from enlightenment period to the romantic period, um, was not just a artistic change. It was a political change, um, socioeconomical change. They're all tied together. Um, okay. Currently we're technically in the postmodern time, which is, all over the place. So I'm not going to try to break that down. Um, but basically we've broken music so much so, um, that we've like broken it down into a science and, um, a concept that like <laughs> we've, yeah, a philosophy, like it's, it is, um, so broken down that like now they're just doing like, I think in the 1970s, I think Jonathan Cage was doing stuff with, um, random chance. I think it's even called chance music to where you like, you put a formula together and then you roll dice and music comes out because now they're trying to use sources or computers can make music. I mean, that's, we're kind of in this AI music phase too. I mean, technology and music we're, we've just, we've broken it in a good way. I'm not saying broken in a bad way, but we've just like blown 
the concepts out of the window. So that's where we're at right now. And I think that that's true. Uh, um, uh, we'll get to how that affects the culture here in a second too. But can you name a few more times that you have seen that? Because I want you guys to understand what I'm saying. Have you seen times or do you know of times in history? Or can you name any examples where you have seen a musical movement be attached to a cultural change? Thank you for those examples. Those are great. Um, so now I want to con- start connecting it to us and today. So I think that a lot of us, how many, how many times has someone heard the sermon about like, well, we're commanded to sing. Has anyone heard that sermon before? Yeah. Um, so yes, I mean that, okay, I'll just summarize that for you real fast. Yes. There's a lot of scripture that talks about singing and that we should sing. There's also, um, a lot of scripture that talks about uh, angels singing or the the heavenlies um, and the, and everything there. I mean, there's there is a lot of singing in scripture. So um, I would like to break us free a little bit from the command part, though. Um, I think that what we need to understand is the the command is God's suggestion for an abundant life for us. He knows that through singing we will have these experiences that change us. We will understand him more deeply and more completely. Yes, we're going to glorify him. That is a glorifying act for him. But I think he is, he provides that to us, um, as an effective means of change in our hearts, of more self introspection. It's, it's so much more than just like doing the right thing and coming to church and doing, okay, I'm, I, you know, that's how I used to think. I got to come to church and God, um, says I need to worship him. So I'm just like obeying God right now. Um, but there's so much more that is happening in that moment. Um, how many times have you been told by somebody that they think they don't have a musical bone in their body? Have you heard that phrase before? Hopefully you'll see that differently today. Um, or like, uh, uh, I'm not, I'm not the creative one. That was my sister or something. Or we didn't, where I don't know where my kid gets these musical genes from because it wasn't from me. Um, have you heard all those things before? Yeah. Okay. That I just want to say, I th- we, we need to broaden our minds here for a second. Um, so I've heard a lot of things over the years about the first few books of Genesis um, and the creation story, and I am not a biblical scholar, so I could be wrong, and maybe I'm quoting something wrong, but it is that those first few books are written differently um, from a perspective that they are a, a poem or a prose. Um, and I've even heard people say that it's possible that God even sang things into existence. And me as who I am, like, would love to just, like, attach to that because that sounds amazing. Could you... Um, yeah. I'm sure I kind of feel like he did, you know, like, like we need to like the, could you imagine your, your body, this universe, the, the cosmos was sung into existence. It's a creative act that he did there. It's a piece of art that he did. Um, I think that we need to connect very much so that we are a creative act. Um, so we are all creative. We are all, um, born to express and understand and be changed by music. Um, I was a piano teacher for 10 years um, before I started doing stuff I'm doing now. And I have seen this over and over again. There's no no person that I ever taught that you can't teach music to. Um, it's going to be different for every person, but it's going to affect them and it's going to be, it's, it's, it's in them already. It's intertwined. Um, okay, so... Um, if there is all this cosmic music and singing, um, how could we be so bold to say we're not musical? And um, I think that like when we sing, we can start to picture that together. I want you to picture when you sing today, joining in with this like cosmic hum of the universe. 
that you are being inspired by, connected to, um, your, are we made of, what's the, um, yeah, the, um, like the stardust, uh, have you guys all heard that? Like we're all made of stardust, the, you know, uh, the things in the universe and like, there's so much biblical in, um, imagery around the stars singing and angels like stars. I mean, we're like, we're made of that stuff, guys. We're made of this creativity. Um, okay. So take that home with you. Um, really believe that. Um, and like, see what, what happens with you when you start to look at the world, when you believe that you are a creative person. We're still figuring out what it looks like for this church to be musical together. Um, and I think we could agree that we want to inspire each other. I think we want to sing songs we feel relate with us, right? Um, and I think that it's drastically needed. Um, music is needed for the city to change. That's my point is, um, I think culturally, dare I say, um, it can't change without some sort of musical, um, component to it. And, um, and when I say change, I don't necessarily mean like our city is just so broken and, you know, that, but I mean like we want, we are continuing to evolve. Um, and so I want to know, um, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that this next week was planned for me to take a week off, um, to write music. Um, and so of course, and then I didn't schedule this date for me to speak. Um, so I'm doing this right before I have a week off to write music. Um, and with, with Mike, so that's what we'll be focusing on this week. But I want to hear from you guys. What changes do you guys want to see in this city, in our church? Um, what action is happening right now that we need a reaction to? Um, it might be something in the culture, but it could also be just like the state of humanity in general. And like Hildegard, um, what walls are we locked within that could be opened up if we had words and sounds and our senses and our creativity brought to that? And this is a real question. Like, what, what do you think? What do you think we need in our church? What do you think we need words for, emotions for? How does the city need to change? I'm kind of asking the question in a few different ways to help your minds catch up to this big question for a second. Does anyone have any thoughts about that? Oh, good. I'm so glad people have thoughts. Thank you for sharing your guys' thoughts on that. Um, here's my summary. Um, humans are deeply intertwined and connected by and through music. And it is an effective, um, it's an effective way of changing us and connecting us to things like freedom and deliverance. And I think that even as we sing this next song right now, I want you to imagine like what freedom am I being called into that I can engage with in this song? Um, and again, imagining that the, that cosmic chorus that you're joining in with, um, well, for communion, um, you don't necessarily have to, that's why we kind of provide different types of, um, musical experiences like playing under while I'm talking or, um, while you guys are taking communion, sometimes there's not words. You don't necessarily have to sing to start to connect to that creativity. Um, sometimes you can just be aware that there's a different medium going on. And when we do communion, um, there's a lot of senses that are being triggered here. You have taste, sight, touch, sound, smell. Um, you know, I, so as you're taking communion, I want you to, um, taste the wine, um, and not just think about the wine, taste it. It's not a thought. It's a, it's a, it's a taste. I don't know how to describe that. It's a sense. Yeah. It's a sensation. Um, feel the bread in your fingers. Um, listen to the music as it, um, provides comfort and peace in that moment. Um, where the next song we're going to sing is new wine. 
Watch the connections that your brain can make as you drink the wine and sing um, a song about the, these concepts. Um, does that make sense? You guys tracking? Okay. Um, I'm going to pray for us and then we will um, start communion. We hope you enjoyed what you just heard. Kindred Church is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. If you find value in the ministry of Kindred Church and would like to contribute to our efforts, visit kindredchurchreno.com to donate. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email kindredchurchreno at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.